coming up next on the health hustle so i remember just walking around and listening to that podcast and i tried all these different things biohacking whatever and i remember paul just talking about these last four doctors and i was like huh I've never tried that. Like, I've never actually, like, I've read his book four times or three times at that point. And I just never actually tried, like, living holistically like that. Like, managing my four doctors, taking care of myself, bringing power back to myself. And I sat down, like, cried. And I was like, you've been doing this all wrong. You've been this all wrong. And I need to give this a shot. Giving a different kind of way of healing a shot. And funny enough, like, two podcasts down underneath that, I found my friend and mentor, Alex Wachinski. And I was like, I'm going all in. Like I had like $12,000 in my savings. I spent half that on working with this guy. And my body changed and I got healthy and my knee healed all through this chalk practitioner method. And that's when I was like, holy shit, this is what I want to do. People need this beyond like specialist. They need an integrative holistic health practitioner who specializes in all these things. Versus like people who are like so one-sided and look just at the knee as a knee injury or shoulder as a shoulder injury. So that was a journey from Illinois to Austin, and I just I just never never left. Hey folks, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we uncover the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. What's up, y'all? Corey here, and on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with Colin Carr, who is a Czech practitioner. I'll be honest, I had never heard of a Czech practitioner until I met Colin, so this was actually super fun for me to kind of lift the hood, dig deep into the engine, and figure out what it even means to be a Czech practitioner. Colin is also a licensed massage therapist who combines posturology, biomechanics, and soft tissue work to normalize the body's skeletal and nervous system. Fun fact, Colin coaches jujitsu at 10th Planet here in Austin, Texas, and he loves his Texas barbecue. Some of the things that we get into on this episode are what it was like growing up as a fat kid, I can relate, lessons learned from being a wrestler, battling the ego, what a Czech practitioner even is, obviously we dive pretty deep into that one, the four doctors, why he loves the idea of healthy discernment, what it actually means to do hard things, getting his first client, some business and marketing advice, his best piece of advice for new practitioners and so much more one last thing if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads i have a free seven-step process that walks you through how to convert your social media following into paying clients you can find the link in the description of this episode without further ado let's go colin carr welcome to the show how you doing man i'm doing great how are you doing man let's start out with the fact that you grew up as a fat kid can we talk about that for a moment oh that's my favorite topic And the reason I wanted to start there real <laughs> fast is because I also grew up as a fat kid. What? Yeah. You Most, just become best friends? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think we did. Most people don't know that about me. And I'm sure you probably get the same thing. Is like nobody ever believes me. Yeah. But I always, I looked like the kid Chunk from uh, the Goonies. Dude. I looked just uh, like him. I've been told that many times. I had like long hair, chubby. I did shuffle shuffle. Yes. Yes. So we did become best friends. <laughs> <laughs> But so really briefly, so I just wanted to tap on that real quick. So you did grow up as a chunky kid, huh? Did you just grow out of that or what? Oh, I grew into it first. Um, Mm. Yeah, no, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, a very good point. I grew into a fat kid and somehow I came out of it. Yeah, Yeah. no, no, I was... uh, (laughs) I mean, I was pretty skinny growing up. My my mom's love language was uh, giving me uh, fast food after high school, or uh, not high school. I wasn't a fat kid in high school, grade school. So there was four things she would have waiting for me in the car after school because I was being a good boy. I got to get rewarded, right? I don't know if you remember Burger King had these like chicken fingers that came in like a container. It was either that, it was uh, KFC mashed potatoes, or it was a double quarter pounder from McDonald's. It was like on a rotation. Wow. Yeah, so that got me fat real quick. I was more of a chicken sandwich guy from Burger King. Can I leave now? (laughs) (laughs) And chicken sandwich from Burger King, dude. Come on. Okay, so the reason, this is going to sound weird, but the reason that I got into it, I think this is how most things happen in life, but my my mom would always give me the other half of the chicken sandwich Uh, because it's the giant, like, long Subway-looking thing. Yeah, yeah, So she would give me the other half because she didn't want to eat the whole thing. And I was like, oh, these are kind of good. And then it just became a thing, right? Well, that's the thing. It's like sentimental value to, like, your mom sharing the sandwich. My mom gave me this food. So, yeah, I got really, really chubby. Got made fun of a lot. Didn't have a lot of friends. I was kind of like a, like a video gamer. Like, didn't spend a lot of time outside, which is crazy because I live outside now. So, yeah, that went off for like two years. And I just remember like hating my body for that. So, it's funny, dude, talking about diet. The way I got out of that actually is I just started running one mile every day. One mile every day. I did it for like maybe a whole year or two, like just one mile. And then I would do 100 uh, crunches on the ab cruncher mm-hmm, machine, mm-hmm. which now as a check practitioner, as someone does like orthopedic rehab, I'm like, you're an idiot. Why mm-hmm. would you use an ab crunch machine? So I did that every day. And then my diet, 
consisted of me eating Cheerios twice a day. <laughs> Literally, dude, my breakfast was Cheerios with milk. My lunch was Cheerios with milk. I bring like a like a red solo cup of Cheerios with like a bag or top to, uh, to grade school. Put some milk in it. And then dinner was usually just like chicken breast. It was the most craziest diet. We should actually TM that and like make a diet called like the Cheerio chicken diet or something. What in God's name encouraged you to eat like that? I was focused on like calories. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to have like very little calories. I was like maybe like nine. I didn't know the science of nutrition and calories like I do now. But Yeah, but you picked that up somewhere, right? Is like Because I think about that as well as like all of our dietary <laughs> habits in some form at that age is purely just picked up of like whether it's television or our friends or our parents. Like my go-to is hot or not hot pockets, uh, pizza rolls. Mm. I used to every kind, even like the nacho ones or like you, you name any kind of like style or flavor of pizza rolls. I'd yeah. fuck that shit up. Like that was, <laughs> that was my thing. Like you just make a giant cook baking sheet tray and it had to be baked cause microwaves sucked. So like you yeah. had to do like a baking sheet style of pizza rolls. That was my jam. Dude, I was just under the mindset of like, I mean, you're a healthy guy. I know you eat like kind of animal based now. You're kind of a carnivore tapping mm-hmm. into that. Like, mm-hmm. I just listened to like what TV told me, like the box in. I just read the box and I was like, low calories. It's got high cholesterol. Or it's got like lowest cholesterol and fortified vitamins. And I used to like dump like Splenda on it too, which <laughs> now we know it like, causes like cancer. And yeah. like, I was just. And so I, I forget myself. I forget my little Colin because he didn't know, but <laughs> it was a fun time. As somebody who does marketing, which is what I do for a living now, I always love giving this story about I can't believe it's not butter. And because that became popular because that jumped on the train of fat makes you fat, right? Yeah. That That's how it got started is like, this is a basically low fat or no fat butter option. So you could have delicious butter on your bread or whatever. And it was a beautiful marketing play. It was super, super smart, right? And then eventually people realized that butter doesn't make you fat. Fat, generally speaking, doesn't make you fat. Most people, generally speaking, I would say know that at this point. But then they changed their marketing and it was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen in my entire life of marketing because at the exact same time of when people realized that fat didn't make you fat, there was also a huge push for like veggie plant-based foods essentially, Mm -hmm. like a lot of vegans, vegetarians or whatever. So they flipped their marketing to, because I think it was like a soybean-based food and they flipped it to, it was like a vegan butter option or a vegetarian Mm -hmm. butter option or a plant-based butter option. Right. So not even any better in any way, shape or form, which we know now. But I just look back at that as a marketing opportunity. And I was like, that was brilliant. Yeah. Honestly, that was purely you're killing a lot of people, but brilliant from a marketing standpoint. (laughs) I was like, that was so well played. Morally terrible. Yeah. Financially. Great success. (laughs) Exactly. Great success. It's probably most health companies or food companies at this point anyways. But (laughs) all right, let's follow this journey. So grew up in Illinois specifically. In the cold, in the tundra, in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that a lot. And you got into wrestling was kind of the first. Was that the first sport that you got into? I did like JFL football. I'm not sure if you guys had that in Minnesota. So I played a little football. But yeah, wrestling was the main sport that I loved and came to uh, do the rest of my life. Okay. And through going through school, you ended up going to uh, college into Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I was a, I was a gopher, eh? Hey, yeah, sure, you betcha. Oh, yeah, I was a good time. Up in the Northland yeah. with the moose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Play a little hockey. Rip. No hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not that athletic. Smoke a dart. <laughs> so, dude, that's one I haven't heard in a while. Drink some water from the bubbler. Yeah, yeah, bud. Yeah, sure. Yeah, carry my bag around. Get your maple syrup. Yeah, okay. That's Go hunt weird. some moose. Yeah, <laughs> we're good on this. <laughs> I'm having PTSD right now. From that. Um, so, but yeah, man, I was a... Uh, I was a high school state champ and a high school runner up my junior year and I was a walk on, which now at this point I need to kind of like stop uh, pooping on myself for saying that. Like I went to wrestle at the University of Minnesota. Like at the time it was like the number one school in the country. So I had this thing in my mind like, oh, I was a walk on. I never actually started. Mm. But it was a, uh, yeah, it was such a blessing, such an amazing opportunity to go there. Do you feel like there's any carryover from what you do now as a check practitioner to back of wrestling? Like, do you feel like there's lessons learned that you got from wrestling that you practice now today? Yeah. It's funny. Like, yes, because if anybody looks, actually, it's funny right now, the NCAA wrestling tournament's going on. I hope people can, like, go back and watch some highlights because you just see, like, wrestlers are the craziest freaking people in the world. We'll lose 10 pounds a week. We'll put sauna suits on. We'll hop on a bike uh, for an hour. We'll spit in a cup, you know, we'll just do the most ridiculous thing. So the sh- the light side of that is 
you learn how to get things done. You learn how to uh, be dedicated. You have a purpose that you're willing to suffer for. You're willing to consciously suffer in order to do something great, which ultimately is win the wrestling match or win the dual meet for your team. So that's easy as just saying dedication. Hmm. Dedication and hard work. Now, the shadow side of that is being the crazy sport that it is and being crazy in the head that wrestlers are, we tend to take that way too far. Totally. I learned the, I learned the dedication. I learned how to work hard. I learned how to put my mind to something and uh, ignore my body's signals, ignore the thoughts, and just kind of push through it, that grind mentality. Again, again, the shadow side of that is what happens after that. What happens after season? There's a reason you see so many wrestlers get like fat after wrestling. It's because they don't have anything to work for. They have any. Like, they don't have any dream. They have any motivation, purpose, right? And they kind of just fall off on their diet, their exercise, because we rebound so hard. Do you have an experience with the shadow side of that, of like how it's maybe gone wrong for you in regards to having that kind of mentality? Yeah. Well, we were we were kind of talking before this. People carry this. I mean, I carry this into my life even up to when I became a track practitioner, but. There's a lot of responsibility to own that light of being the starting position, of being the best guy of the team, because then you kind of externalize yourself to other people, and you own the responsibility of showing up for others versus yourself. So there's a lot of shame and fear around that of, am I enough to make another person happy, which I don't think any of us are. On the physical side of that, that's come with the mental you know, shadow side of that. My body broke down, unbelievably. Right. I mean, I wrestled um, 165 and 174, and you're sitting here, I'm 6'2", about 200 pounds right now, feeling great, uh, especially as someone who still competes actively in, like, jiu-jitsu. My body should naturally be this weight. So that grind mentality and that addiction to exercise, the addiction to the shame and fear of the exercise of not wanting to be a starter, uh, said in another way, I got down to, like, 159, 159 pounds, which was emaciated for me. I couldn't have, I couldn't keep any muscle mass on. I was shredded to the gills, like 6% body fat, but my mind was so tired all the time. I had no testosterone. I had injuries all the time, just broken down, beat, had no motivation again. Cause I was just like, let's grind through everything. Let's work harder. You know? So it got me to a place where I was just like lost physically, mentally, emotionally. You said something that I want to circle back to of that. We potentially aren't capable of making another person happy. Yeah. What did you mean by that? I mean, ultimately, it's in the eyes of the beholder. I think even as coaches or maybe in the health and wellness industry, we fall out and we have a poor relationship of success and financial success in business because we own the idea that we are, well, we own the idea that we aren't enough to ever save somebody from themselves, right? Which all healing is just self-healing. I mean, somebody's in the health and wellness industry, even as someone who does like orthopedic work and body work, Ultimately, all healing journeys are self-healing journeys. But for someone who's unaware of that, as like a health coach or you know, a practitioner of any kind of sorts, we own this illusion that it's our responsibility to save somebody from themselves. And there's a lot of pressure from that that we carry around on our backs. And it's just easier to kind of fall out of that. It's easier to kind of give up into the idea that we can be success or that we are enough. Really, we're not enough. We're just there to guide somebody. No, I like that a lot. I think that's beautiful in the sense that, yeah, you're, you can, it's like the classic cliche statement of like, you can only lead a horse to water. Did you have somebody in your own life that did that for you that essentially showed you the way or did you just figure it out on your own? I did. So I'm a track practitioner. Anybody who wants to go look up Paul Check, he's like the holistic OG. There's like Mark Sisson, there's like these other guys who are like old, but Paul is like 60, he has two wives, he doesn't biohack, he just eats organic food. And Wait, why does he have two wives? It, it's a long story. Okay. <laughs> he, uh, they're, they're, both, they're both great. <laughs> oh, man, man, that man can go. Uh, he's a berserker as someone, someone I dearly next to me. Uh, His T levels are so high, he needs two wives. <laughs> he says, don't try riding two horses before you can ride one. That's what he usually <laughs> says. Um, but Paul, man, he's, he's uh, I guess he's, in a sense, he's kind of one of my mentors. Not like personally, although I have worked with him personally, like through education and stuff. That's one person. I encourage everybody to go look him up. He's 60. He's jacked to the gills. He still practices what he preaches. Uh, and then there's my mentor and good friend, Alex Ripchinski here in Austin, Texas, who I discovered walk around Ladyburg Lake at one point. And he really taught me how to take care of myself. 
it's funny because now we always reflect me on him and going back to this point of like all healing is self-healing journey and like we were just here to guide there's so many times when i came back to him and i was like man you're right about that he's like i know like i just wanted you to experience that and like figure it out for yourself and obviously i'm gonna put myself in danger he would tell me but as any good coach or practitioner i think it's good for people to go we just give opinions and we can rest at night knowing that what that person does with the information is on their own, but we give people our perspectives as health coaches, as practitioners, as rehabilitation, rehabilitation specialists. Why I'm saying this is because you asked me about that. There's so many times that I went and like try to do diet or tried to do like kettlebell sport or something crazy that I knew was just going to put me back in a hole. But he let me experience that because he knew that I would come back to him with an awareness of like, oh, this is not good for me. Mm. It was an opportunity for me to learn and grow myself and build that self-awareness of why I'm still doing these self-sabotaging habits. And what part of me benefits from doing kettlebell sport or, you know, going to jiu-jitsu seven times a week versus three or trying extreme dieting, right? So that in that sense, he was the one who really helped me to build that self-awareness of um, this is my journey, but he's here to help me walk it and guide it with me. I had a personal trainer back home in Minnesota that said something to me that it really resonated. And she talked about how she goes, my mind would want me to weight train like five or six days a week, but my body would benefit from three days a week. Mm. And I like that statement a lot of, cause I think that's what happens for a lot of people that kind of get into whatever their health, fitness, wellness journey is, is that the, the disalignment of the physical and the mental Cause I'm the same way. And the reason that that resonated with me is like, I like weight training. I mm-hmm. like moving my body. I like exercising yesterday. I wanted to go on a run. I felt great, but I knew I would physically, it would not benefit me. Right. right? Especially for how hard I'd worked the previous days. Right. So I just think it's important to note of like that misalignment that we often notice in life, both the mental and the physical and trying to get those to talk to each other, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, it's just us trying to feed our egos, I think. And for example, yesterday we went to the Sapien Center, this place in Austin that we frequent, me and you. And I had this like killer workout planned out. I was like, I'm going to work out hard. I'm going to sauna and cold tub. But my partner just wanted to like move with me and like work out. And like, I was like, for a second, I was like activated. I was like, man, I want to do this workout. But I had this opportunity to just like have fun, do acro yoga and like do some kettlebell swings. And it was lifting a 200 pound sandbag over my shoulder like 20 times i was like all right that's a good enough workout Mm. like i didn't need to do that hard workout that i had written out and again that's me looking at the benefits and consequences of like what do i need versus what i want which is something that anybody who wants to become like a health coach or a practitioner needs to like learn to share with their clients totally so can you explain what a check practitioner is to a five-year-old like if nobody has no idea what it is like what does that mean to a five-year-old yeah well i think many of us are just five-year-olds walking around adult suits so that's why i bring it up yeah right? there's there's a whole i don't know if you're familiar with uh elif i think it is explain it like i'm five it's a whole you know what reddit is right yeah there's a whole reddit i'm sub- familiar yeah there's a whole reddit sub form of i think it's elif it's explain it to me like i'm five because like most of us like cognitively speaking from what we're new information is like yeah i need it dumbed down as much as possible mm-hmm. so like for a czech practitioner I don't imagine there's a check prac. Maybe there is a check practitioner subreddit. Maybe I don't. Know, maybe do you actually look? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so c- explain it to us. Of like, what is it essentially? In its mm. most base form. In its most basic form. So check practitioners are specialists in holistic health and uh, rehabilitation, especially at the level that I'm at. We specialize in connecting all the. This word holistic gets thrown out a lot. I don't think people are truly as holistic as they say they are because we literally. If someone has like a back injury, for example. Um, and this will kind of clarify where I'm going with this. You have to look at their diet, their lifestyle, their breathing patterns, their relationship to um, what pain means to them. You have to look at their, well, this isn't five-year-old terms. You have to look at what's going on in their skull, what's going on with their jaw, what are their eyes doing, how are they breathing? Are they eating inflammatory foods that's shutting down their gut, which is going to not let them stabilize their spine, which may lead to a lower limb injury or back injury. It's like we take so much attention and intention into the detail of assessing people, not guessing and taking that full picture and synthesizing it into one health and rehabilitation program. So we're specialists in looking at the mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies and how that relates to physical orthopedic rehabilitation, injury prevention, and just getting healthy. We, there's four things. It's as simple as this. 
you find the client's one love or their dream or their motivation, right? When you go to a trainer, they're going to ask you what your goals are. Now, for me, goals are a little different. Goals are kind of stepping stones to something greater that we want in life, which is kind of the dream like or legacy or purpose for life. Goals are great. Goals are like benchmarks. So that's what a check register does first. We find out their dream. Like, what's their reason for change? Because without that, people aren't going to change. And they don't know their dream. You have to find their nightmare, mm-hmm. right? You find the opposite, right? What do you not want? You don't want to fill in this 5K? What are you going to do about that? Or your marathon? What are you going to do about that, right? So if you don't know their dream, you find their nightmare. And we, then we build off that. And then we just see like, where they're out of balance. There's two forces, yin and yang, catabolic, anabolic, sympathetic, parasympathetic, things that a lot of people in our community talk about right? We've got to bring them back into balance. And that includes their exercise, their diet, their breathing. And with those, we have to establish values too. So trap practitioner, I don't care if someone comes to me for rehabilitation or health coaching. We're looking at all these things. What's their values around all these things? What kind of choices are they making? Right? There's three choices we can make to any person, place, or thing. We can make an optimal choice, maybe make a suboptimal choice, or we can do nothing. right? And do nothing, that could be apathetic in the sense that we don't care you want to do your marathon, but you don't care. You're just going to go lay on a couch and just see what happens, right? Mm. That's apathy. Or you can take a timeout because you told me you were running so hard before this podcast. You need to take a timeout and give your body a break. That's a pretty effective use of doing nothing in choice making. All right. So we have a four-step process here. We find their dream where they're out of balance. And that includes where they're out of balance physically, orthopedically, right? What kind of choices are they making? in life that are leading into pain or out of pain. And then Paul has this beautiful system called the four doctors. So here's the thing about the four doctors. It brings the complexity into simplicity. We all have four inner doctors inside of us. There's Dr. Happy, Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, and Dr. Movement. If you learn to manage your four inner doctors, you should achieve ultimate health without problem and establishing values around those things. All right, so a chat practitioner takes those four things mainly. There's a couple extra steps. But those four main things are really how a trap practitioner works, in addition to running four to six hour orthopedic assessments head to toe. But we combine those things all together and see how they're connected. Can you briefly explain those four doctors? What do those mean exactly? Yeah, I love it. I wish I knew the songs. Paul has these like really corny songs that we had to sing to our clients. <laughs> so Dr. Happy. So if you imagine like a chair, like, like a three-pronged chair, Dr. Happy is going to be the top of the chair where you're sitting, right? It's what's happy making for you. What do you do every day that makes you smile? What do you do that's happy making? What makes you laugh? How do you spend time for yourself? What brings you most joy in life? Because again, I can tie this into rehabilitation, the nervous system, everything. You look at it like that. Doctor diet, what kind of foods are you eating? Is it good for your physiology? Is it good for your biochemistry? What's your relationship to food? How are you eating? Do you have a spiritual connection with food? Are you eating in a very stressed out state? Do you rotate foods? Do you eat seasonally? All these things. Where do you get your food, right? What are your values around what you put in your body? We can also look at that mentally. Like, what's your mental diet? What are you choosing to eat mentally, right? Consume mentally. So that's doctor diet. Doctor movement. How much movement do you need or not need throughout the week? What kind of myofascial release do you need for yourself? How much self-massage do you need? How much walking do you need to do? And also, again, movement of thoughts. How much thoughts are you moving throughout the day, right? So we're looking at doctor movement there. And then Dr. Quiet, how much quiet time do you need yourself? Are you napping? What's your sleep schedule like? Do you need time in nature alone? Do you need time for solace? Do you need time in prayer? Do you need time to do breath work? Do you need to do some kind of working in versus working out, which is a beautiful concept I love. The concept of working in, doing something gentle, moving your body, pumping blood and oxygen and energy through the body. Right? So those, that's the four doctors right there. The four last four doctors you'll ever need is what he says. If anyone's curious about what mine are, um, so Dr. Happy would be podcasting. That's mm. got to be high on that list. Dr. Was it uh, diet? Yeah. Recently, it's been carnivore. Cool. And anything related to marketing would be mentally consuming. Movement was another one. Yeah. Probably way too much. I definitely need less of that to answer your question on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dr. Quiet, I need a lot. Yeah. Most days, I would say about 80% of my day is alone. Mm. So if anyone was curious, but thanks for sharing that. That's interesting. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know anything about check practitioner, 
work is I now see what you're saying now of just like how extensive the holistic aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Cause I think you're right. I think a lot of people talk about holistic. I mean, I even talked about it as an occupational therapist. That was the core of a lot of what we talked about, right? right. Mental, emotional, spiritual. But in terms mm -hmm. of like, if you actually looked at the training that we got, not really. Yeah. And so there's definitely layers to that word of holistic. It's definitely become a buzzword that mm. probably most people don't recognize. Yeah. So it's just like vegan butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can mean so many things. It's a buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> so let's continue with this journey then. Okay. So you wrestled in University of Minnesota, yep. eventually made your way to Champaign for graduate school to mm -hmm. become a teacher yeah. and decided that wasn't the course for you. What happened mm -hmm. there? And like, why did you decide not to do that anymore? Yeah, I moved there, uh, left my team at Minnesota, left my friends, my family, uh, my brothers. Yeah, I, I always, again, externalizing self, not like looking at these are my values or not. Because in anybody like Carl Jung, they're like, it's the child's unmet task to meet the needs of the unmet needs of the parents. My parents, my wrestling team back home, my dad wanted me to come home, be, uh, wanted me to come home to Illinois to be a high school teacher, which I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm gonna go back and get back to the wrestling community. So that's why I moved back to Illinois. But then, um. In the state of my pain, what we talked about earlier, just being injured, uh, emaciated, 159 pounds, I had this knee injury, and no one could figure it out. Like, no one. I went to, like, orthopedic, Texas orthopedics. I went to acupuncture, massage, lymphatic specialists, chiropractors, um, cryotherapy, everything. And, like, no one could help me. And at this time, I was living down in Austin in a uh, summer vacation. Uh, I just moved down here for the summer. I came in spring break, actually. I failed to mention that, but... I was like, this place is awesome. Like, it's like, I, I mentioned to you, it's like the Minneapolis of Texas. Mm -hmm. Like, it's active. There's a big health and fit fitness community here. So, yeah, I moved here for the summer. People are always shocked by that, too, that there's a huge, like, fitness culture in Minnesota. It's weird, yeah. I know. I'm kind of shocked as well. You wouldn't think so just because it's cold so often. But, yeah, it's actually bonkers how big the community is there. Yeah, but it's ranked, like, number three in the country for, like, most active cities. <clears throat> totally. I didn't mean to cut you off, but. Yeah. No, you're good, yeah. Go to Minneapolis, people. It's awesome. So yeah, I was here and just hating, hating school, really questioning like whether or not I wanted to be a high school teacher and teach the same class three times a day, year after year, just to new kids. And don't get me wrong, I think teachers are really underpaid. It's definitely a honorable job, especially in Illinois. It was like the terrible benefits. Dude, the government in Illinois is the worst. Dude, we, the worst. Yeah, we literally had a criminal for a governor, I'm pretty sure, like it is five the years worst ago. worst of all the states. And the only reason I know this is because I did my grad school in the Quad Cities, mm. which is literally the border of Illinois and Iowa. And <laughs> the, the differences of what you experienced, governmentally speaking, from Iowa to Illinois was bananas. Yeah. It's a horrible government-run state. But, <laughs> Dude, tell me about it. Yeah. So I can see why you wouldn't necessarily want to be a teacher there. That yeah, terrible. or anything there, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Chicago's cool, but yeah, corn and cows, corn and cows. <laughs> so yeah, I started questioning that all while having this injury, all trying to figure out like what I want to do, trying to find my dream, my purpose for change, my legacy. And I remember walking around Lady Bird Lake one time, just like fed up and just like having this victimhood of like, what was me? I deserve more. I call it like the face of the ego, uh, which is like something David Ryko, one of my favorite authors, talks about. I had this fear of I'm never going to get healthy, never going to get better. I had this attachment to being identified with my body, being in shape, being a wrestler, uh, and also this attachment to the idea of being a teacher. I had this control drama of still working out too hard, wanting to biohack my way into health. And I had this sense of entitlement that like I do everything right. I eat healthy, I biohack, I take supplements. I sleep right, but yet I was miserable. So I had this like face that I had to like lift up. I had to lift this mask up. I was walking around Ladyburg with all these things going through my mind. And I remember listening to Paul on a podcast. It was a uh, Barbell Shrugged, uh, which is a great podcast. Wait, with, with Mike Bledsoe? Mike's not on it anymore. Mike's awesome. If you yeah. ever had him on. Yeah. Um, he was on dude. my show. Okay. Oh, oh, right on. Yeah, he talked about that. Yeah, okay, I love I Mike. I didn't realize Paul is now the guy on that show. Okay. Well, no, no, no. He Paul was a guest. Oh. Yeah, Paul was a guest because Mike loves Paul. Got it. So, yeah, and Paul's uh, Mike's good buddies with Alex. Um, Got it. So I remember just walking around and listening to that podcast, and I tried all these different things, biohacking, whatever. And I remember Paul just talking about these last four doctors, and I was like, huh. I've never tried that. Like, I've never actually, like, I've read his book four times or three times at that point. I just never actually tried, like, living holistically like that, like, managing my four doctors, taking care of myself, 
bringing power back to myself. And I sat down, like cried. I was like, you've been doing this all wrong. You've been this all wrong. And I need to give this a shot, giving a different kind of way of healing a shot. And funny enough, like two podcasts down underneath that, I found my friend and mentor, Alex Kuczynski. And I was like, I'm going all in. I had like $12,000 in my savings. I spent half that and working with this guy and my body changed and I got healthy and my knee healed all through this Chuck practitioner method. And that's when I was like, holy shit, this is what I want to do. People need this beyond like specialist. They need an integrative holistic health practitioner who specializes in all these things versus like people who are like so one-sided and look just at the knee as a knee injury or shoulder as a shoulder injury. So that was a journey from Illinois to Austin. And I just, I just never, never left. What for your personal experience, did you change in your life that had the biggest impact on just transforming things? I found my own values and I stopped listening to what other people wanted me to do. I learned discernment, which is like one of my, when I think about like words that describe who I want to be as a man, it's healthy discernment. It's what's the benefits and consequences of these things I want to do to my body or what I want to do, what events I want to go to. So I learned to discern what I do or do not need in life. Again, just developing a value set. And that value set was my guidepost for getting healthy. And, you know, having values like that, it's like being on a road when there's like those like bumper things on the side mm -hmm. and you're like kind of sleepy at night and you're kind of driving. Bzzz. Yeah, and it kind of like wakes you up because yeah. you start going off road. So developing my values around exercise. It, here's a funny story. My first homework assignment or like assignment as like a client of this guy was to not work out for two weeks. Oh. Yeah, you you've been there probably, and you like you get you get itchy, and you're oh, like, oh man, that sounds I'm, terrible. Yeah, yeah, I remember in the I was in the sauna on it, this gym in Austin, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna do ten push-ups, but like I really had to fight that mentally, and even like that thought, I was like, wow, you have a bad relationship with exercise. You can't go two weeks out not working out, and my body's like reset for one. But anyways, discernment. I think discernment and learning what foods I needed, how much to eat who to listen to, what to consume on podcasts, because there's so much information coming to my brain. I want to try everything. That's kind of my personality. I want to try everything. I recently was told that uh, my human design is like 1-3, mm. which I still don't know much about human design, but I guess yeah. it's like, yeah, it's a thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I'm like a researcher. I love researching and trying all the new things. So I had to learn to like step back and not try everything and stick with something, you know, kind of endear through one thing and see it through. So discernment, values, all that kind of got me through. Is it weird that I got triggered when you said you didn't exercise for two weeks? What does that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like after your marathon, you need to take two weeks off. <laughs> Seriously, though. And I'm really glad you brought this point up. I can't remember who I was talking to about this recently, about that concept of doing hard things. And it's so funny because hard things is very relative. Mm -hmm. And because especially here in Austin, Nine times out of 10, when somebody says do hard things, what they're saying is exercise harder, do more reps, run farther, sauna, <clears throat> ice, all these like physical endeavors that are challenging, climb a mountain, whatever, mm. right? Do a hard thing. Mm. However, I would also argue that for most people in Austin, those are no longer hard things for them. Yeah. The hard thing would be taking two weeks of not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, the hard thing is to sit with yourself and ask why you're doing it, to dive into yourself and, you know, see what you how you benefit from this and to question that. I mean, it takes a lot of courage to ask for help. It takes a lot of courage to dive into yourself and really get nitty gritty on your values around why you're doing this or who you're doing it for. Maybe it's, you know, a girl. Maybe it's your mom and dad. So subconsciously, there's a lot of unconscious agendas that we carry around for why we do the things we do. And that that's the hardest thing right there is to dive deep into self and have that courage, which is why any client that comes to me, I want to make sure I like, I acknowledge the courage it takes them to find help because a lot of them are in pain. Mm -hmm. And that's also one of the hardest thing is to get out of pain because, you know, we benefit a lot from pain. We get a lot of sympathy. We get a lot of victimhood. People pay attention to us. People take care of us. So that's the real hard thing. That's the real hard thing is to dive deep into self and to really ask why, why you're doing these things. If you were to ask Christian Drapo, who I had on the show recently, I think he would tell you it would be fear. Mm -hmm. And because his fear can show up in many forms. And he was talking about on an earlier episode, if anybody wants to check it out, about just that aspect of when he was out in the monastery. And if you sit with any thought long enough and just watch it, you don't judge it, you do nothing with it, you just sit and, long, sit and watch it for long enough, 
it all leads back to fear, mm-hmm. fear of judgment, fear of loss, fear of poor health, fear of whatever. But it always leads back to that concept of fear. And I would agree when like as we're talking about this right now in this moment and that idea of anyone, anyone listening that would like when I say like don't exercise for two weeks, I'd be curious as to like what people are feeling in this moment, because like for me personally, I think there's a component of fear of judgment, fear of opinion, because like there's this false belief that somehow like my physical appearance is related to my value in mm-hmm. some way. hundred percent. And I don't know if it's like Yoda who said this, but it's like, if you can't, you must. And when I find myself like being so resistant to something, I go back to that saying, like, if you can't, you must, because mm. otherwise you, again, you have an addiction to it or you're keeping yourself closed minded. Yeah. I think the, it reminds me too, is the other one I've been thinking about a lot lately is like people who don't have time to meditate for 10 minutes probably need to meditate for an hour. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I think about that one all the time. It's like when I'm like, oh, I'm so busy. I have so many things to do. That's a trigger for me now of like, this is exactly why I should do nothing. Right. For a longer period of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's continue this journey, man. So you're in, you're here in Austin. You're a Czech practitioner now. Mm-hmm. What was that phase of becoming a Czech practitioner look like? Was it like a Yoda, uh, what's it, Luke Skywalker deal where like you had to pass all these tests? Or like what does that look like to become a Czech practitioner? It is a rigid, um, not rigid, uh, rigorous schooling for sure. I'd say it's the holy grail of like corrective exercise and kinesiology. It was Yoda in the sense that I had a great mentor and great friend who helped guide me. But it's a seven-year, it's a several-year program. It's about five years. I'm currently in year number four. It's seven years, is that what you said? It takes several years. Several. I thought yes. you said seven. You can do it in five. I said seven initially, but you can do it in five. So it's five years. It's, just, it's a lot, man. It, okay. So it gets progressively harder. I joined the Czech Academy, and I was doing other stuff all during this too. So I was like kind of hustling, being healthy and hustling. The podcast. Uh, <laughs> I had to throw it in there. Wait, hold on. You. Oh, you have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Health and hustling. Um, that's so amazing. So yeah, this academy is about five years. So they ease you in, right? Year one, you learn how to be like a normal. You actually, year one is all about taking care of yourself. They have a course called Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level One, where you learn the basics of food, nutrition, diet, all that stuff. And then there's um, the exercise part. Because again, there's the lifestyle and health coaching part. And then there's the exercise part that takes you up to like a rehabilitation physical therapist, essentially. So there's that. And then there's IMS one, which is integrated movement specialist. You learn how to take people's posture. You learn basic corrective exercise, like basic corrective exercise, but still beyond most like NASM or other kind of like personal training certifications. They teach you how to do objective measurements. Year two, you get into IMS two, uh, integrated movement special level two, where you learn 28 new orthopedic assessments. So your assessment now takes about two hours. Because we're looking at people's infant development, their neurological wiring as a child. Like, did they miss something because they were in jolly, jo- uh, jolly jumpers? And how that affects their movement patterns and their motor pathways now. We're looking at their gait. We're looking at head-to-toe joint ranges of motion and angles for every bone and muscle in the body. Uh, we're doing upper cervical testing for atlas subluxations, your top cervical spine. So things like that. They teach you that in year two. And then there's also the health and lifestyle coaching part of that. Well, this is where the this is where the training for the professional health coaches come in place. They teach you how to work with clients, how to find those four things we talked about. And Paul has this like brilliant like health appraisal questionnaire that ties in. If you want to get woo woo, he, he we tie in like the chakra system and like organ and glandular systems, and we're looking at people's stress and like their physiological load. Like how much stress is, is this person under, and how is that person going to tolerate exercise? So that's how we take that. We mirror it with the science. Because if someone's under so much stress, they teach you. You can't like have these guys like squatting and deadlifting. Again, they might have to take some time off. They might have to work in. They might have to do some like Tai Chi, something that's got to balance the nervous system mm. before we put them under more load. Year three was last year. So that's holistic lifestyle coach level three. We get into like union psychology. We talk about archetypes. We talk about traditional Chinese medicine. We get into reflexology. Um, again, Paul has somehow synthesized this all into one beautiful program. And how it all ties in. Uh, and then IMS3 is about spinal pathology rehabilitation. So my current level, I look at people with like herniations, disc bulges, uh, stenosis, spondies, any kind of like lower back injury. And that could be somewhat severe as well as like SI joint, hip joint, knee, hip, ankle, those kind of things. My current year is we learn about shoulder uh, health, shoulder anatomy, shoulder rehabilitation, neck, jaw, all that stuff. But during all that, because I was hustling, I went to massage school, went to two different massage schools. 
I was traveling to Florida to become a neurosomatic therapist, which is like a structural orthopedic massage, really teach you TMJ work, organ massage, how to massage eyes, how to mobilize and correct people's craniums, upper cervical mobilizations and corrections. Uh, not, I'm not a chiropractor, but I know how to work with all those things and correct those things. Mm. Uh, and then I was traveling, doing certifications. I was getting my personal training license. Jeez. Um, all these things. So I was hustling the last three years. And now I'm in a place where I'm just kind of practicing and building my business more. How did you get your first client? Oh, man. I feel like I stole someone from Equinox. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, no. I, so I was working at Equinox as a personal trainer. I was personal training on top of this while seeing, doing all this education. And this guy came in. And with his girlfriend, and he was like, so what do you do? Like, can you just, like, train me outside in here? I was like, oof, I don't know. This is, like, like morally right. But I was like, I'll talk to you. Let me think about it. He just didn't want to train. Yeah, so I didn't rob anybody from Equinox, but he just didn't want to train there. He wanted something different. He wanted more, again, like, a more, like, holistic. He actually, like, said this. He's like, I want a more, like, well-rounded, like, holistic perspective on, like, exercise and diet. Just by telling him, like, what I did, he was like, oh, I'm actually really curious. So he invited me over. He was my first client. He was great. He still talks to me today. He's like, man, you changed my life for just like 10 weeks of working with me mm. on the simple diet and lifestyle stuff and like a good corrective exercise program. And then from there, I started getting some more referrals and referrals and stuff like that. But that was my first client. It was amazing. That's cool. So how long did it take for you to get out of being a trainer and just doing the full check thing then? So actually, I still work part-time because it fulfills me working with people. And it's mm. like, I want to be a service to people. Got it. But I do check practitioning as a trainer. Like, I guess like I'm technically a personal trainer, independent contractor. But my boss knows specifically like my training and what I do. Right. And I have full ability to run my assessments how I want. How did you learn the business marketing side of what you do now? Because obviously you got this incredible program and training from an actual practitioner and helping people. But what about like the business logistics of it? Like how did you figure that stuff out? Um, that is still a process. Um, <laughs> I, might talk, I might have to talk to you. But my, my business model is... Well, one is be a, be a jujitsu coach and hurt your clients so they'll come see you. Perfect. I yes, love that strategy. Yes, yes. That works. I did the same thing when I used to work in physical therapy is I just pushed people downstairs and I was like, oh, it looks like you come back to physical therapy. <laughs> people joke with me all the time because I choke people out and I'm like, come see me for your neck. Um, but in all seriousness, <laughs> I, know, I, can't, I can't wait for you to come, man. It's going to be a fun time. Um, then you'll be a client of mine. Um, it's, like the, it's like the McDonald's worker that also is a personal trainer. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's like well it's perfect uh, it's perfect business model <laughs> yeah so but i do need to work on marketing i've had beautiful business coaches but the model i work on right now is just like again make people not need me it sounds kind of counterproductive but i'm not i don't want to make someone be a walking billboard for me but i want to allow them to be a walking billboard for me because people get results and they come to me consistently for body work or for training or rehab and then I just trust, I just trust the universe, honestly, that I'm going to get referrals and it's worked out pretty well. Again, I'm not to like only doing check stuff, but that model of just like doing good work and having a lot of attention and intention of what I do for somebody has always um, returned itself um, on value for sure. Yeah, I think that's great. I had Daniel, he's a Cairo on the show not that long ago, and he, his average patient visits was less than, I think, two visits per patient. Mm which is unheard of in the chiropractic yeah. world. And yeah, he prides himself a lot on that of like actually doing the things that get somebody better. Yeah. Right. And then they become your, as you said, billboard. So I think it's a great model. Yeah. And I definitely want to work on content, you know, I love networking. I love your event. So I'm trying to get out there more and just meet more people because we can all help each other. Right. There's no, like I'm not entitled to everybody. I want to, no one to refer out and meet people that we can benefit off one of another. So, well, especially something like what you're doing, which I would argue probably a lot of people listening to this probably aren't familiar with. I mean, I wasn't familiar with it, honestly. It's yeah. like what it actually is and how you can add value to somebody. So, just like the aspect of education, I feel like I would argue would be probably your best form of marketing at this mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. of literally just educating people on what you do and what problem you solve at its yeah. base level. Yeah. Like, if you can show that to people, I think that would be all the marketing that you need at this point, anyways. Nice. But take that take. Yeah. Just live consulting here. Uh, <laughs> so, so obviously the few, I want to get into just a, a snippet of the future of where you're headed with everything. So obviously you have to finish this program. You want to continue your training. You want to build your own practice. Mm. What about even like longer term than that? Like, have you thought about like the future of where you want to go with all this stuff? Yeah, man. Um, so when I finished the Institute, like I said, I love the idea of having my own studio. Cause I think there is something to having, uh, 
a building. I think it just like gives you credibility. And I love the idea of having like a sauna and cold tub in there and even hiring other practitioners. So one of my favorite things to do is I like to mentor younger uh, checkies, as we call them. You know, it's an adorable word. So I want to mentor people. I want to be a teacher. I want to teach people about this stuff and uh, bring up another generation of, I don't even know if it's like check practitioners, or just practitioners in general, because I think there's something really beautiful here. You want to become the Yoda. I want to become the Yoda. No longer the Skywalker. No longer the baby Yoda. <laughs> I want to I want to grow up in the real Yoda. That's clever. So there's that. And then just just like we need to take a break from uh, exercise after I finish this, I'm just going to rest in that and try not to learn anything else and just help as many people as I can. But again, studio maybe. I'm also working on building out an online program right now to sell, which is kind of taking you from a basic health line to more uh, deeper concepts. Hmm. And part of that also is like an orthopedic uh or high performance exercise program. So I'm working on that as well online. I want to have some kind of online thing that the public can get without actually needing me and paying my rates that can take them a long way. And I'm going to call that the pain to prospering program. Love it, man. That's exciting. Yeah. I have a round of rapid fire questions for you. you Let's ready? do it. What's your best business advice? Be the model for your client. When someone comes to you, if you're like a health practitioner or if anybody, if you're coming to Corey, Corey obviously like lives what he preaches. So be the model for who they like, what they're there for. Right, you don't go see a fit. You don't go see a fat, sick doctor. You do, but it'd probably be a bad idea. <laughs> What's your favorite part about entrepreneurship? The learning process. Again, I know everything. I can know everything about anatomy, kinesiology, rehab, and everything like that. But it's something fun. It's challenging. It's it's a mental game. So, the process, the learning process. Yeah. When are you the most productive? Morning. I wake up at five o'clock every morning. Get stuff done. Do you use an alarm? I do, unfortunately, because sometimes I have clients. But otherwise, I just naturally, my circadian rhythm is just 5 a.m. So this recent uh, clock change kind of fucked you over a little bit or what? I was so excited. I thought I slept in until 7.30. I was like, yes, I slept in finally for the first time. But no, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, it bugged me a little bit. I'm still trying to get my circadian rhythm back on. Because I love. I'm a, I agree. I love like the first thing in the morning. I appreciate being up just a little before sunrise. Yeah. And then it just didn't happen because of, yeah, daylight savings. What's your best marketing advice? Put out little seeds. Put out little seeds for curiosity. Whether that's like a commercial, like an Instagram post, if you use Instagram for marketing, like plant seeds in someone's minds that's going to get them curious and ask questions that may like reach out to you for more. Like, oh, uh, your organs are going to affect your shoulder and your gut's going to affect your back stabilization. What? Like, yeah, plant seeds of like curiosity. For any of those that are also in the marketing world, I'll tell you a little secret about that one. It's called an open loop. It's exactly what you did is you lead with a question that gets people going, hmm. I would like to know know more about that. That's interesting. Hmm. So that's good. Well played. I've never heard it described like that though. But who is your inspiration? Uh, for becoming this life. Life. Ooh, my grandpa. Why? He was a superintendent for fifty years at a school in Peoria, and he was just like this big, uh, humble dude. And he was the first person I ever lost in my life, and I uh, just meant so much to me. And he, it's he would. <laughs> just work so hard and he go to school every day even after he retired he still went so just uh but he did it lovingly he didn't do it like in an unhealthy way right so i think there's a nice marriage of working super hard but also doing it lovingly and not of like hating yourself dude that's creepy because my business is literally named after my grandpa for that exact same reason wow my grandpa's name is andro it's a whole nother story but my company's called andro brands and we're from Northern European area, like yeah. actually like Czech and Austria is actually where a lot of my family's from. Fun oh. fact, but same deal. Uh, my grandpa was the same way. So that's actually weird. We definitely just became best friends. Again, <laughs> <laughs> tell me one secret about you or something. Most people just don't know about you. Some people are listening to this who know me, but if you don't see me, you might think I'm this like big burly, like savage. If you see, especially if you see me like do like jujitsu or like wrestling, but I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> they call me they call me the colonizer at jujitsu i'm like first off don't call me that because i don't think it's right but um i'm like call me compassionate colin because i'm a sweetheart mm. i'm a big teddy bear in here <laughs> what would you change about yourself nothing what's your favorite app or resource right now i'm gonna say youtube honestly because i'm always on the youtube and like rehab stuff or what channel though uh, physio tutors is really good. Paul's Paul checks podcast. There's like 700 videos on there is amazing. When were you the happiest? I recently went on a trip to Sequoia with my partner. And I remember looking out over a dome. We were on this dome in Sequoia. It's like a beautiful dome, like 7,000 feet high. 
And I just remember just feeling on top of the world and looking out at like Socorro National Forest and just being in awe of nature with this person. So yeah, that was the last time I remember being the happiest. That's cool. What's your favorite part about Austin? You can't say the people. Oh, food. Food. Yeah. Uh, meat, I assume, of some form. Meat. Barbecue. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Barbecue. Leroy and Lewis. What? Which one? Leroy and Lewis and the Cosmic Coffee Bar. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, I haven't had that barbecue we'll go. yet. We'll get some beef cheeks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had some pig head tacos not that long ago. Those were pretty dire, I'll be mm. honest. Right on. So I have one last question. Before I ask that question, though, I just want to acknowledge you, man, for bringing something to this world that I feel like a lot of people don't know about and doing it from a place of one solving your own problems, scratching your own itch. And then now also wanting to serve other people at a mm -hmm. high level mm -hmm. for showing up today, just being honest and authentic and to of just always being a kind hearted human. Even when I ran into you at Barton Springs the other day, you're just having nature about you. That's just very calm and peaceful and nice to be around. So I just want to acknowledge that. Oh, thank you. I received that. Thanks. Appreciate it. So, before I ask my last question, where can people find you? What's your plug? Uh, Colin Carr Coaching on Instagram. One L in Colin, two R's in Carr. My name, Colin Carr Coaching, is my website as well. Last question. So it's really whatever your best piece of advice is. So if you were to start over as a Czech practitioner from ground zero, or you were talking to any other health, fitness, wellness practitioner, maybe in the early stage of their business, what's maybe the best piece of advice you could give to them just to make sure they're focusing on the right things and not just getting lost in the noise? Going back to discernment, I would say, A, find your dream. It all comes back to that. Like, what's your dream? What's your North Star? What's your reason for change? But also, it's I before we before all, right? Take care of yourself before you enter into any relationship and take care of yourself in that relationship before you give back to the broader community or earth or everybody. So take care of yourself. Learn self-care. Learn self-awareness. Learn discernment. Learn your values. Because um, even as like a beginning off in the check institute, I didn't know those things. So I had to kind of sift through those. So that's what I would say. Your I before your we before your all. Is that how you said that? Yeah. Interesting. I never heard that. I like that. Cool. Thanks for being on the show. All right, brother. Appreciate it, man. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you, and that would be to check out my three tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters, and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep hustling, my friends.